Hey everybody, what is going on? It is Jason, and as you might have noticed, I'm flying solo as a board game mechanic today. Katie's not here, she's out hanging out with some friends, and I still need to record a podcast, so you're going to just get my dulcet tones today. Sorry about that, but it is what it is. Also, because Katie's not here, probably won't be as much dumb banter, because I'm not going to banter with myself, because that's stupid. And there's also going to be no news and crowdfunding because I forgot to look that up until right now. So we'll get back to all that next week. But this week we'll talk about some games that we played and then the feature of all the games that are on shelf number five. All right. So without further ado, let's get into the games that we played. All right, so we've actually played a lot of games this week. We had our friends Brandon and his wife Josie over and played some games. We had our friend Chris and his wife Amy over for our weekly game night. Then we played some games with Katie's cousin and her husband. So we've done a, we've done a lot of gaming, but we're only gonna, I'm only going to talk about three because these are ones that, well, we've played two of them for the first time ever, and one I haven't played for a while and I wanted to play it, and that's where we are. So the first one is the one that I hadn't played in a while. And it is a game from designer Michael Schacht, Zuloretto, Coloretto, um, numerous other games, but those are the only two that I know because we have those two. And the game that uh, we played is called The Golden City. And this is an old game from, I think, Z-Man. Yeah, I just looked at the shelf. Z-Man. And effectively what you're doing in this is you are bidding for cards. You're trying to get... like cards that match a terrain type on the board because you're trying to build these businesses to build a network from the outside on the coast in to the center of the golden city to score a pile of points. When you're building around the outside, the coast needs one card, just a coast card, but then you need two cards of the terrain type that you're building on or one card of the terrain type plus two cards of a different type and then you can use that as one wild. And then you're going to be building your buildings, you're going to get some bonuses like coins, extra cards, some gold cards, some good cards. And when you get to the city center, you need to have a key. So you're going to spend two cards of the train type plus a key, which you can get by building businesses on the outer rim. And then after everybody's uh, bid for some cards, built one or two buildings, we're going to be some scoring rounds. And you're just trying to play until either all of the scoring cards for each round, I think there's like 12 or 15 rounds or something, are gone or someone builds all their buildings, which is probably going to happen first. So think of like a ticket to ride or... Uh, Royals, um, Ethno, something like that, but with network building and bonuses and um, I kind of erase. So it's, it's, it's Ticket to Ride-esque, maybe a little deeper than that, but similar. It's not going to be super deep because it's a Microshot game and most of his games are family weight. So yeah, if you're looking for something like that, old game, fun, I enjoy it, then I'd say check this out. You probably find it for cheap. We got it at the I don't know, I think I got it in a trade or something, or Black Friday, which is probably why we have it, because it was cheap. But I enjoy it. It's a good game, The Golden City. All right, next up is a little tiny card game that we've had on the shelf, oh, I don't know, for years. I thought that I'd opened it and at least learned it before, but when we went to play it, the cards were still in shrink, so apparently I did not do that. And that game is called Isle of Trains, and this is the first edition. I kind of wanted to play this because there's a new... A new edition coming out from another company, or maybe the same company that has some new mechanisms, and I wanted to maybe get that one and compare them. But also, I wanted to play this because I heard it's a good game. It's got multi-use cards, and 
you know, I felt, you know, I can learn this without ever looking at it. I don't normally do that, but I did. We fumbled our way through it, and by the end of the game, I think we got it. So this is a game where you are operating a train, which is going to be represented by a car, a card. Everybody's going to start with an engine, a really terrible engine. And each engine can pull a certain number of train cars based on the weight. They have a weight limit, so you got to make sure you're, you're adhering to that. And there's three types of hauling cards. Uh, hauling cars, I guess. So, like, there's a tanker that can carry liquid. There's a bo- box car, I think, that can carry wood. And I forget what the other one is, but it can carry, like, coal. And then there's a caboose, which will give you maybe some special abilities or something. So on your turn, you're going to be taking a couple actions. You can draw cards. You can build a card, which every card has a value. And you're going to spend cards from your hand to meet that value, kind of like um, San Juan, that kind of thing. Race for the Galaxy. And then um, you can, or you can take a card from your hand and store it in either your own train car or someone else's train car to... Um, either use an ability, special ability that's on the car if you put it in someone else, or just put it in yours so then you can make a delivery. Because that's another thing you can do. There's this map out in the middle of the board, and you're trying to get the certain types of goods to make deliveries to score points. So it's a multi-use, resource management, pick-up-and-deliver game that's all cards. Uh, it's interesting. It's not super super long. It's not super complicated. I had some struggle. We played it wrong on how you pay for cards. But um, outside of that, I think we played everything else right. It's fast. It scales the time based on the number of players. So you're not, you know, a two-player game is not super long and a four-player game is not super short. It's a good game. Um, The new version, I guess, has passengers, which will be cool because that gives you more stuff to deliver to the towns as opposed to just delivering goods. It makes it a little thinkier and all that kind of thing. So I'm excited to try that one. But even not having that one, this one's a solid game and I enjoyed it. Glad that past me bought it so future me could play it and have a good time. So that is Isle of Trains, and that is game number two. All right, next up is a game that when it came out, I was really intrigued by it. And then they put out a game that was kind of like it, but it was different. And I was intrigued by that one. But for some reason, I never played either of them. And I made a trade with some game that I didn't really like for this game and another game. And I finally got to play this one. And this one is Paperback. And this is by Fowers Games. And this is a deck building game where you're using your cards to build, to make words. And every card you use to make a word is going to give you some kind of money value, unless it's a wild, they don't have a money value, and maybe a special ability. And you're trying to get as much money as you can to be able to buy new cards and eventually buy fame cards, which are basically like points. So the more, uh, like there's like a 15 point card or something, but it costs like 18 cents or something, which is an awful lot. So you're trying to build your deck as best you can to make the biggest words you can because there's some bonuses for that. And you're just trying to get as many points as you can before the game is over. And the game ends when there's these common letters or common cards. They're not always letters that come out. There's four of them that are going to everybody can use or they might let you make two words or whatever. And if you have a if you make an eight, a seven letter word at the beginning, you can take that card and put it in your pile. It's worth five points. And then there'll be another one available. So if all four of those are gone or two of the point piles, the fame cards are gone, the game is over. And then you're going to count your points. It's a low-scoring game because unlike most deck builders, some of the other deck builders have actual points on cards that you buy outside of just the point cards. This one doesn't do that. It's You're buying cards from the, the word bank to only have cards to use for the game to give you more opportunity to 
make words. That's it. So it's it's tough. So you're really trying to make as big as words as possible as possible. Get those common words and get the fame cards to get the points. And that's it. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite deck builder of all time. It's fine. Um, it's not like lighting my world on fire or anything. But I do like it. And if someone's into word games and maybe I think they could pick up on deck building, it might be one I'd break, break out. But I'm not going to pass up ICP or Summer Camp or Arctic Scavengers or something for this game because those games, in my opinion, are far superior to this one. But Paperback was a fun game. And the other one that I said came out that was after this one is Hardback, which does the wilds in a little bit different way. Or you can use every word letter as a wild by flipping it upside down. I don't remember. It's similar, but it adds some different stuff to it. So either way, Paperback, Hardback, they're probably, if you like one, you like the other. So that, But that's what we play Paperback. And those are the three games. So let's stop talking about that and move on to the games on the shelf. All right, so I just looked at the time on this episode, and this is going to be a short one. I do apologize, but when I'm not here to have someone to banter to, to be dumb, uh, I don't really have much to say, I guess. So I apologize now. But anyway, enough of that. We're going to talk about another shelf. So we've been doing this series where we've been taking a look at a couple shelves and maybe we'll throw something else in the middle so you just don't get tired of hearing us talk about games on our shelves. But we are on shelf number five. And I posted a picture across social media this week that shows all the games on this shelf. But now I just want to talk about them a little bit more, expand on them, and maybe just talk about why I we have them on our shelves. So let me pull up the, the the picture just to make sure I'm not missing anything here. And then we'll get started. All right, so the first game, I'm going to go from left to right if you're looking at the picture, and then I'll talk about the ones on top at the end. So the first game, I don't really know why it's on this shelf other than the fact that it fits, and it is Silver and Gold from Pandasaurus. I think we got turned on to this one by our friend Chris. He brought it over maybe. That sounds right. And all this game is, we, we have a video, we've talked about it ad nauseum. And this is a game that you're writing on the cards. It's like a flip and write, which means you're going to have a deck of cards. You're going to flip something, and then you're going to either write numbers or draw shapes. But in this case, you're going to draw shapes on these cards that represent islands. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to cover up the islands completely with X's to score points. If you cross off a coin, you're going to cross off a little coin on your little player, your little um, card in front of you. If you cross off a whole row, you get some points that are available, but they're going to decrease in value as the game goes on. If you cross off a palm tree, you're going to score all the palm trees in front on your card and then in the shared cards that are available to be taken when someone completes one. And if you cross off an X on your board, you get a free X on any of any space on any of the cards that are in front of you. That's the whole entire game. And the shapes are like Tetris shapes. You got square, a, a four block square. You got a little L. It's like a three and then a two at the bottom. You got the three down and the one in the middle, you know, the little like half plus sign looking thing, a straight line, a, a shorter straight line. So they're just uh, Tetris shapes that you're trying to make work on these cards to score points. And if you can't make some the shape on some of your cards, because that will happen, you can draw a single X. That's not ideal because you're wasting a whole turn of a lot of marks to put one mark down, and that sucks. So don't do that if you can avoid it, but sometimes you're going to have to do it because you may only have 
a two space and you're looking for that single those two straight lines and they've already been used so you just got to bite the bullet and take an x but yeah silver and gold's a great game love it um we played it a ton we played it at camp we play it with everybody anybody can play this game if you can mark a shape down um and know when you fill in something to say you filled in something you can play this game great game for anybody to play love it that's why it's on the shelf next game is a game that i think we picked up at an origins i think that sounds right because katie yelled at me because there was the game and there were these unnecessary upgrades that were these like wooden books that i didn't buy because they're like twenty dollars the game was twenty five dollars and the wooden books we're an extra 20. So it's going to turn this game into a $45 game. But um, anyway, this game is Fire in the Library. And this is a push-your-luck game. And I, you know how I feel about push-your-luck games. I love them. And what you're doing in this game is you are trying to rescue books, old books, I think. And that's the theme. From this library that's on fire. But the trick here is you're pulling these cubes out of the bag. And the cubes are going to represent the books. So there's like four or five different colors in the bag. And there's also red cubes that represent the fire. And if you pull too many of those, you bust. And the library continues to burn more and more. And which causes the game to end. So you're pulling out cubes. You're trying to rescue books. Books are going to score you points based on like some cards that are face up on the library. Each of the four colors of of books has a card up the more that it's burned the less i think that they're worth so you know when uh, the library is not as burned up i think it's more valuable or vice versa either way you're going to get points based on the cards that show for each cubes and then you're going to have like some uh, extra cards that can help you break some of the rules like i may have a bucket that can throw water on a fire cube so it's like i never drew it out of the bag and all that kind of thing so or i may have like a book shelf a book rack that I can store some books on for later, score additional points, that kind of thing. So it's a simple little game, but as you're playing, you're getting cards. You're trying not to pull out too many fire cubes, or you bust. That's it. I like it. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people, other people don't like it, because we don't play it a lot. I mean, the theme's cool. I don't really know why it doesn't come off the shelf a ton, but is what it is, I guess. Good game. I enjoy it. And we are going to be getting some of those books from our friend Kim at Tabletop Rebellion. She gave away the game, but she kept the books because she knew I wanted them. So that's all. Well, I don't want, let's be clear. I don't want them. Katie wants them. So we are going to get those books. Then Katie can have them and she can stop yelling at me about it. So that's Fire in the Library. Next game on the shelf is one of four games from this company, but we only have three. And we have three of them right next to each other on the shelf. But the first one that I'm going to talk about is probably my favorite one. And this game is called Tortuga 1667. Now, all the all of this company's games, the, the company is Facade Games. All of their games are effectively big group party games. Now, not like raucous, like laughing and throwing stuff around games, but like some social deduction, hidden identity, hidden trader type games where you're trying, someone has a role and Everybody looks shady because you don't know who's shady and you're trying to figure out if somebody's this and that. But in Tortuga, what you're doing is there's two different teams. I think it's Britain and France, England and France. But there's also Dutch if you're playing an odd number. And that player's on a team of their own. Now, the, what, the way this game works is on your turn, you're going to be ta- you're gonna be playing a card or drawing a card. And cards are going to let you do 
a couple different things. They may let you move treasure from a side of the boat to your side of the boat. Now, what that means is there's a boat in the middle of the table. One side belongs to France. One side belongs to England. There's also an island, Tortuga, that you can get marooned on that you're also still trying to fight over a couple different treasures on there. And the way the game works is at the end of the game, you want your team to have more treasures on their side of the line than the other team. So it's like a tug of war. But the way it does it is this really cool game uh, card play. You can like mess people over. You can make them show you your roles. You can switch teams. You can blow up this rowboat so people can no longer get from an island to the boat or from the boat to the island. And if you're on the boat, depending on who's in the front, they're going to be the captain. And each space is going to be like an own their own own rule. So there's going to be a captain, like a cabin boy. I don't know all the rules. But depending on where you are in that boat, certain cards are going to let you do certain different things. So I may be able to over, overthrow the captain, but somebody could have a card that negates that. And then, you know, once I become the captain, then I can adjust the treasure. But then if somebody else becomes the new captain, they might be on my team and they don't know it. And then they adjust the treasure back. So it's just a crazy like thing. You got to figure out who's on your team. And if there's a Dutch player in there, they're just trying to wreak havoc. They just they want it to be a tie. So they want treasure to be equal on both sides, and then they win. It's crazy, but I enjoy it. It might be my favorite of all this company's games, either this one or the one we don't have. I love it, and actually, it's one that I wish we would play more because looks great, and I have a lot of fun with it. All right, so next up is another game from the same company, Facade, and this is Salem 1692, and this has Salem Witch Trial theme. And effectively what you're doing in this is similar kind of deal. Some people are going to be townspeople or I don't, I forget the roles. We haven't played it for a long time. And some people are going to be witches. And the way the game works is people are going to be playing cards, passing cards around. And if you ever get a witch card in your possession, you become a witch. And the humans are trying to find the witches. The witches are trying to convert the humans. But you don't know who's on your team. So you're trying to figure out who's on your team and play appropriate cards, put people on trial, all that kind of thing. So your team can win. Now, there's a lot more to it. This is the one I played the least. I like it a lot, but I played it the least, so I can't really talk about it that well. But that's the theme. The witches are trying to win for their team. The humans are trying to win there for their team, maybe put some witches on trial, that kind of thing. So it, it's got that hidden identity, mysterious team thing, but it's fun. It's one I would play again. But I just haven't because I always, if I'm going to grab one of these, I'm going to grab Tortuga. So not this game's fault, just I really like Tortuga. So the next one is the third game that we own from this company, and it is Deadwood 1876. And this is maybe my least favorite one of all of them. It plays the least amount of players, and the gameplay is just not as interesting to me. The production is great, but the gameplay is not as interesting. And I've only played it one time, so I don't even know if I'm going to be able to describe it that well, but I'll try. When's this stopping before, I guess, right? So in this one, you're taking on a role of like a, a different person from the Wild West in 1876. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to acquire different types of guns that are going to be represented by different types of dice that have different pips on them for a better probability of hitting. And you're trying to shoot other players to take treasure from them you're trying to go into places and rob places to get treasure. And you're ultimately trying to get these badges, I think, like sheriff badges, to be able to take an extra turn at the end of the game. Because the whole point of the game is you want to have more treasure than everybody else. But 
it's really hard to do that. And the f- attacking is kind of hard and convoluted. Maybe I just didn't understand the rules and I didn't play it right. But from what I remember, it wasn't as smooth as the other two games. And it just, the theme was great. I love the Wild West theme, but it just, I don't know. The gameplay was not as fun as I was hoping because I love a Wild West game. I love Bang. I love Bang the Dice game. Those games are amazing. I wanted this to be like that, and it is not. So I don't hate it. If somebody wanted to play it, I would play it. But it's just not one that I'm probably ever going to take off the shelf. I'll keep it on the shelf, though, because it looks amazing in that cool book. But outside of that, yeah, not, not really my jam. Next up is a game from... Steve Finn from Dr. Finn's Games, but this is actually published by Yellow, and it's on the shelf because it looks like a book. Most of these games on the shelf actually look like a book of some sort, except for Silver and Gold and the two on top, and this game is called Biblios, and what this game is, is it is, uh, let me try to think, I haven't played it for a really long time. This is effectively an auction game and a set collection game. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get these cards the way the game works is you're going to take a card and you're going to put it in certain piles, either in your in front of you or in one of the other piles. And you're trying to get these cards that you can then use as money later to be able to buy other cards or to acquire these cards of different colors to manipulate these dice so you can score a pile of points. Now, I know there's more to it than that. Again, it's been years since I played this game. But I know ultimately is you're trying to get cards of a certain color that's going to be represented by one of these five dice. And you're trying to adjust the pips on those dice up to as high as you can go. Because if you have the majority of that color at the end of the game, I believe this is how it goes, you're going to get the points that are on the die. So you want, you know, if you're really focusing hard on red, you want to make sure that the red is up as high as it can go in points. So you can get a lot of points. And that's kind of how the game goes. There's cards you can acquire that let you manipulate dice. There's cards that you can acquire that let you um, duplicate some cards, I think. Again, it's been a long time since I've played it. But... It's a really fun game. Not a lot of people in our group like it. I know Katie doesn't really like it. Um, So we don't play it a lot. And outside of my game group, I don't know who I'd play it with. Unless I was like, you know, at a con or something. But it's a good game. And maybe someday I'll get to play it again. Because I like it. So that is Biblios. Alright, so the next game on the shelf. Honestly, I don't think we've ever played it. Maybe one time. But I played it at an Origins and I really liked it. We didn't buy it there, but I saw it, I think, like half-price books or something. It was like two bucks. So I picked it up. And the game is called Wordsy. And this is another word game that uh, I really like. We only have a couple word games. We have Spell Smashers, which is like a word game dungeon crawl, which is cool. Paperback. Uh, like, you know, Banana Grams and Scrabble and all that stuff. But, like, good games. Just get in. Easy. Just get in. And we also have this one. And this game, I'm going to actually look it up on BGG because I am a little hazy on it. I'm just trying to remember what happens. I know there's some cards that have words or letters. And then you're trying to use those letters to make as many words as you can. But I'm trying to see how that how that works. So let me look at some pictures here. There's a grid of letters. And you're trying to use those letters to make words. So there's, a, there's eight letters. And then there's some numbers at the bottom. And if you can use the letters in those columns, I think you get extra points. So you're just trying to, you know, use the letters, make as many words as you can before time runs out. Some of the letters are worth extra points. Some of them are just regular. And you're just trying to have more points than everybody else. It's timed, I think. I think you're trying to do as many words as you can in like a minute or two. Not sure what the timer is. And that's effectively it. So this really is a game that if 
if you're better at a vo- have a better vocabulary than most people and you can think faster, you're going to win. But for some reason, I just really enjoy it. I don't I like the puzzle of trying to make words out of nothing. It kind of reminds me of like Mad Libs or like trying to read somebody's license plate. You know when they have like all the vowels missing and they have like a number in place of a letter and you're trying to figure out what the heck that says. That's kind of how this game sits in my mind. It's not the same thing, but when I look at this, that's kind of what I think of. And again, I don't even know if what I said is accurate because we might have played it one time and it's been forever ago. So I don't really know. So yeah, that is Wordsy. Now let's talk about some of the games that are on top of those games that make sense on that shelf. All right, so on, if you looked at the picture, or if, if not, there's a little game on the shelf that's in a tin, and the game is called Microbrew, and this was picked up at a Gen Con for review from my friend Brandon. He got it, and they said, hey, we'd love it to get covered on a channel. So we got it back, played it, and what this game is, we've only played it a couple times, but what this game is, is it is a thinky, beefy little Euro game in this little tiny tin. So think like an Altoids tin is what it looks like. And what you're doing in this is you are trying to make these different types of beer to sell to customers. And the way you're doing that is you have this little like board in front of you and you have these different colored discs and you're trying to align these different colored discs up in your like hopper or whatever it's called. I don't know. I don't know anything about making beer, but you're trying to line these tokens up in a certain order so you can make the beer that customers want. And then you're going to sell them that beer to score points. And again, this is another game. This is a shelf of games outside of silver and gold. That we haven't played in, and the next one that we haven't played in a long time, but you're just trying to get the most points. It's a really fun game. Uh, it's one that I'd really like to play a lot more, but we haven't for some reason. I don't know. I think Brandon had it for a while, and he just gave it back, and then I forgot because it's in a little tiny tin, and it's hard to remember that I have it. But yeah, good game. I think ours is like a prototype because some of the card art is non-existent. Some of the characters are really boring looking, and I've seen some pictures on BGG where they look a lot cooler. So, but either way. The game plays the same. It's super deep. Like for being like, it's probably the smallest game that I have on a shelf. Not the smallest game that we have, but on one of the shelves with actual bigger games. This is the smallest one, and it's probably the thinkiest of all the small games that we have. So really cool game, Microbrew. I think that's what it's called. Uh, yes, Microbrew. And the last game between this and Silver and Gold could be the game that's played the most on this shelf. Katie plays this game like it's going out of style, and it is Ohanami. And we recently talked about this not that long ago. Um, I think Katie played it at camp or something. And this is a game, it's a little drafting game, where you're going to be drafting a couple cards on your turn and then passing the rest around. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to basically play cards in front of you in numerical order to build these three different like fountains to score points. When you're playing a card, you either have to play higher or lower than a card that's already there. You can never go into in between. So if I have a 10 and a 5 in my row, I can't play a 7 in there. I have to play either higher than a 10 or lower than a 5. So that's kind of the rub. That's why you have three piles to try to hedge your best a little bit. And then each round, when everybody's done playing cards, you're going to score based on the color that scores in the round. And each round, the, the first round, only one of the colors of the cards is going to score. The second round, two of the colors are going to score. The first one plus a new one. The third round, the first one plus a second one plus the third one is going to score. And then at the end of the game, the fourth color, which is pink. I, I don't remember the other colors or when they score exactly. But it will score, and then you're going to see who has the most points. It's super simple, super fun, 
super fast. I mean, you could play multiple two-player games of this in, I bet you could play three games of this two-player in like 45 minutes. It's lightning fast. And I think it's a great game. I don't think, I don't like it as much as Katie does, but I understand why she likes it because it's another one of those games like Silver and Gold that anybody can play. If you've played Racco or a game like that, this game will feel familiar. All you really got to teach is the drafting and that's simple after the first turn. So, yeah, Ohanami, great game. So that's the games on shelf number five. Next week we'll be back with shelf number six, and then we may do another one after that. We may do something else. Who knows? We do what we want around here. It's a a, a crapshoot. Who knows what we're going to do? So, yeah, I don't have much more to say. Uh, you've listened to me for a decent amount of time now. 30 minutes, that's a lot of just listening to me blather on about stuff. So... Um, to give your ear holes a little bit of a rest, I'm just going to say I'm Jason with the Board Game Mechanics and keep gaming. And next week, Katie will be back and it will all be back to normal. 